0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets.
1: Angels do live among us. We see them in those who lovingly care for animals living in shelters or who stop to help someone in need. Jeff and Michelle Allen are such angels. Five years ago, they created Monkey's House, named in tribute to their beloved dog, Monkey. The purpose of Monkey's House is to provide a safe, loving environment for shelter dogs needing hospice. I literally cried when I read some of their success stories. You have to hear them for yourself. When we return from a short break from our sponsor, you'll meet Jeff and Michelle and discover some of the miraculous dogs of Monkey's House. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio, and I'm Jody Miller Young, your host. So grab that favorite beverage, get comfortable, and we'll be right back. Looking for a dental treat that does more for your dog? Daily Dose is a two in one chew that pairs a daily dental scrub with powerful supplements to help with the biggest health concerns facing our dogs. Daily Dose was developed by vets to be simple to use and super effective. Plus, dogs love the taste. Available for joint, skin, heart health, or calming. Daily Dose, your pet's daily dose of awesome. Visit yourpetsdailydose.com to save $3 on your first bag with promo code PETLIFE. That's yourpetsdailydose.com.
0: Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back. If you've just joined, you're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller Young. Monkey's House. It's nestled on a farm in Burlington County, New Jersey. It's a haven for shelter dogs in need of hospice care. Since 2015, Jeff and Michelle Allen have taken dogs from being neglected and downtrodden to well-cared-for and happy pups, living life and learning what being loved feels like. I'm honored to welcome them today, and uh, we're really, really happy to have you. Hi, Jeff and Michelle.
2: Hi, Judy. Hi, Thank Judy. you for having us.
1: Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. You've both been involved in Rescue for years prior to Monkey's House. How did that start? What was that journey like?
2: Like everything in life, it was a su- surprise. Um, <laughs> we had lost a dog in 2009, mm-hmm. and we just had one dog at that point, and I needed another dog fast. I was really having a time with it, and I called a friend who volunteers at a local shelter, and I said, I need a dog. I don't care if it's old, sick, ugly. I just need something so the house is less quiet. Mm. And she said, well, there's forms to fill out. There's stuff to do. I gave her the name of my vet. We took care of the forms, came home with two dogs. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) that experience was so healing to both Jeff and I that we wanted to give back. So we started helping out with their laundry. And before we knew it, we were fostering. And the second dog that we fostered was accidentally a a hospice dog. She was very sick and we couldn't communicate well enough all that was wrong with her. She was an older golden retriever. Mm. Beautiful. All of the markings that we love about old dogs. She had the softest coat, but in our home, she just would stare at the wall, stare at corners. She would not eat. She had a lump on her side that the shelter was going to remove and then they're going to put up for adoption. And We called the shelter and said, we can't get her to eat. And they said, just keep trying. We snuck her off to our vet and covered the costs. And our vet shared our concerns. And she continued to not eat, to look at the wall, to look tremendously sad. And I stared at her and something just told me, this is the wrong move. This surgery is the wrong move for this dog. If she was mine, this would not be happening. And I was trying to figure out a way to not make the surgery happen without adopting her. So I found out who the vet was that was going to do the surgery. I made an appointment at her regular practice, um, just made a story up saying my dog needed vaccines. And when the vet tech left the room and the vet came in, I burst into tears and said, this isn't my dog. She's a foster dog. I'm responsible for the expenses of today, but here's what I've been going through. Here's what we've experienced and what we've observed. And this vet, you know, it was the end of the evening, a long day, like every day. And she really broke it to us that, that Goldie was 99, she was 99% sure that Goldie had a brain tumor and that she was very close to death. And on top of all of that, she, she made me feel um, like I was empowered and like I had been an advocate for her uh, instead of, you know, just the, the crushed feeling that we had. And so we did adopt her. We didn't do the surgery and we didn't have her for very long, but we promised to love her forever. So that was probably 2010, Jeff. This was before there were GoFundMes. Jeff and I covered the expenses because you're supposed to just use the the shelter vet. And we couldn't access that care. But as frustrating as the journey was, it was such a lesson that there are no resources available to dogs that are that sick. There's nothing out there. There's no advocates. So after that, we were known for taking sick dogs. Yeah. Um, but it was yeah. just a wake-up call that they needed more than what they, what was out absolutely. there.
1: Absolutely. For shelter dogs, absolutely right. And you uh, were a registered nurse for years. So yes. you bring those skills to the table, too, which must be very, very helpful, no?
2: It's very helpful.
1: It's an, almost like an, in, an intuition with Goldie. Yeah, from your experience. Yeah.
2: Intuition, good observation, and having a good relationship with my vet being able to ask
3: questions. Mm-hmm. And, and then that's what happened is the local shelters, you know, found out about Michelle fostering dogs, and not just the normal dogs, but the ones that did have major medical issues because of her nursing background. So mm-hmm. we started getting calls left and right to take in, you know, to foster the really sick dogs.
1: Yeah, yeah, you had a special skill that you could bring to the table. And um, I'm sure that, you know, the phone was ringing off the hook.
2: The phone um, was ringing off the hook, but there's not, at that time, shelter medicine does not cover blood work, medication. Oh. I couldn't get the shelter vet to write a script for me so that I could go and pay for medication to be filled. Yeah, And so it really lifted on Jeff and I. Uh, so yeah. we were we were taking these dogs and adopting them, covering the medical needs that they, that they had.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you guys did it, but um, it's it's absolutely true. The vets, you know, there are all different kinds of vets as we know, but most of them probably do the best they can within the shelter system. Mm-hmm. But these dogs are they are treated like second class citizens when it comes to their care because of the expense of good care for dogs, especially seniors, sickly, you know, and um, and the volume of of dogs that come through their doors so thank goodness for you and then a few dogs down the line came monkey the inspiration for monkey's house tell us about monkey
3: that's right so then monkey came along over the yeah. th- 2013 2013 and monkey was a little we, we say he was a little high he's 57 right He was a little mud yep. <laughs> he um he had a very very poor heart he had congestive heart failure and he had uh, extremely bad uh, dental disease. So any, among other things, and we took him in the, and this was actually this, kind of what Michelle was saying is that the shelter vet said, just take him home. He's probably got up three weeks to a month to live. And Michelle's like, well, I know we've had dogs before that had congestive heart failure. We know what medications they need. They're very inexpensive. Can we go see a cardiologist? And it was, no, no, just take him home. Well, that wasn't good enough for us, especially Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> so we we ended up adopting Monkey. He saw our cardiologist, our vet, had the medication he needed, and he was lived a vibrant life for seventeen months. Yeah. Loved it here. Loved all the other dogs. Yeah. The, the joke was he would uh, bite anybody that came too close to him. He wasn't quite that bad, but luckily we live way out in the country, so and <laughs> he didn't we, have too
1: we, many visitors.
3: Yeah, and he was a ball of fire. He just loved living and we got seven he, you know, he lived seventeen months of good life. And
1: good months. He yes. he lived the good life for seventeen months, which is such a gift. Yes. I love those, little, those lower canines too. So <laughs> if that's all he kept, right? You had yes. to have his teeth extracted. Yeah. His
2: signature look. But when he first came, his respirations were 80 in a minute, they should really be between 12 and 20, maybe. Hmm. And 80 in a minute, if you try to breathe that fast, that's pretty uncomfortable. And I didn't feel like that was a quality of life. But I also didn't feel that we should just put him down without trying something, you know, as simple as pills. But again, it's not our dog. And the reason you foster so you don't incur hefty medical bills. But even then I couldn't negotiate even just getting the prescriptions, and then me covering them, or getting permission with me paying for the cardiologist. So it, it left us with no way out, no way to really help these dogs. But yeah. to do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. And frustrating with something as basic as you know, the heart meds that mm-hmm. every vet pretty much or cardiac you know, veterinary cardiologist will dispense. Yes. Um, yeah, I totally hear you. Now, you are currently on a farm with six acres. Is that right?
3: That's correct. We have a little. Wait, we call it a little farmette.
1: But you, you weren't always there before. Like, what was the journey to get to this place where you could start an organization like Monkey's House?
3: Well, we have lived here for almost twenty years now.
1: Yeah. So I think in oh.
3: general, yeah. So in general, we have been here. But so we used to have horses, goats, you name it. We've had it here. And the, the funny thing was, even before Monkey's House, we would be taking a walk around the back with the dogs, uh, doing a pack walk before we knew there were pack walks, because we had the horses following us, the goats, <laughs> a couple of geese, and, yeah. and yeah, a cat, and then the dogs. Dr. So
1: <laughs> yeah, and
3: luckily, you know, we we joke and say, you know, people don't don't realize that New Jersey does have a lot of farmland. We're in southern New Jersey. Yeah. So it, it is great here for for Monkey's House to be in this location.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a a perfect scenario. And how many dogs generally do you care for at one time at Monkey's House? So
2: pre COVID, twenty five to thirty here, and about ten in forever fosters. COVID now, we've we've let our numbers drop a little bit because we can't have volunteers out at the house. So it's Jeff and I uh, for the most part, and That's it's a tough. lot. So we're operating somewhere around 20 to 22 dogs here. And then just the dogs that we have currently in foster, I think I think we have six in forever foster at the moment. You know, with the with the virus funding has dropped, a, a lot of things have changed. So we're trying to play it safe while we figure things out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything has changed. Everything has changed, yeah. Yeah, it's just unreal. Jeff, you were kind enough to share with me some additional information. We're going to get to sort of an announcement of where that came from a little later in the interview, but I read a couple of the incredibly inspiring stories of dogs that you've helped at Monkey's House. Would you please share a couple of them? Sure. I could
3: could share one and then let Michelle share one. I think, you know, we had uh, a little Pomeranian come. Her name was Hannah Bear. And when she first came... She had no hair from the neck back, so mm-hmm. um and because she was in such bad bad condition, malnutrition, and she had mammary uh, masses. So she had cancer, extremely major cancer large
2: large ulceration, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: So when she came, and I think a lot of times when dogs first come here, I think it's the adrenaline kicks in, so they they seem like they have a little bit more energy than what they really do have. Mm-hmm. So when she first came, we have a we have a cat, and at the time we had a cat in the house. And she chased the cat and it was kind of funny, you know, and, but then a couple of days after that, she really slowed down and really needed to have the surgery. So we ended up having surgery. She had all the memory masses removed. It was a major procedure. Um, I found out that she did have lung cancer as well, but with the great nutrition that we, that we give these dogs um, with the love and care, she, all her hair grew back. She was here over two years and loved Life. She, 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 you, you would find her sleeping with a cat, but then at times she felt like she wanted to chase the cat. Uh, She, you know, we, one of our specialties is we take field trips. We'll go to the Jersey shore. We have a senior citizen bus. That's a senior dog bus now. Mm -hmm. So we all pile in and we go down. She used to love the trips on the beach. She'd love taking a walk in the park in the snow. She just really enjoyed life.
1: Oh, that is so amazing. It just makes your heart like happy to hear these stories of dogs who could have been languishing and taking their last breaths, you know, lonely in the shelter and, and their living life at Monkey's house. So that's beautiful. Michelle, do you have one to share?
2: I do. A little dog named Buck, who was the third dog that we had pulled. And he looked an awful lot like Monkey from, from the back of ears, his ears back. He was the same color. He had kind of a goofy gait, a curly tail. He liked to spit in circles, but from the front, he looked more like a cute Jack Russell mix or something. He was he was definitely different, but I, you know, I had concerns about pulling him because he looked so much like Monkey. But uh, he met our criteria, and we had the space, so I said, "Let me just let me just see how I do doing this. We're new doing this, and I was concerned about our emotional state of having hospice dogs, like trying to fill out." you know what, keep it as safe as we could to not lose our minds. Mm. And what was amazing about Buck was he had every single thing you could ever check off that could be wrong with a dog. He had them all wrong. And he taught me over the years that if he's having a bad day, I need to get to the bottom of it and support whatever it is that needs the help. But then tomorrow can be a better day. So you can take acute flare-up of congestive heart failure and have your vet diagnose it and give them the medications that they need. And it can settle back down into a chronic state. So Buck lived for over four years with cancer, heart disease, two different types of lung disease, a brain tumor, all going in and out of a chronic or acute state. And, you you know, when, when things were chronic, his quality was incredible. When things were acute, what was interesting for me was he was about 15 pounds. So I could carry him in his bed. I could keep an eye on him. I could, I could literally be with him every single minute. And he was very compliant about medications. If you needed something rubbed on his gums, drops in his eyes, suppositories, shots. He was very good about that. And I learned so many things from him, but we lost, later on, we lost a German shepherd who wouldn't eat wouldn't take his medication would go nuts on us if we tried to inject anything or he just wasn't having it and I was feeling like I was failing this dog I couldn't get medications into him I couldn't get him to eat but then i realized it was it was his choice and he was saying no and so you know that's as much you have to respect that you know if, he, if, if the dog oh, had right pneumonia right. I would get someone else to help me wrestle him and get the antibiotics in but mm-hmm. this wasn't the case this was. Yeah the progression of a disease, and he said no. And I didn't fail him. I listened to him, and I respected the no. Buck said yes. Buck said, that's fine. It's going to cost you a hot dog, but that's fine. So, so, you know, the things that you learn, because we see so many hospice dogs, it's kind of rapid fire. You don't want to fail any of them. You don't want to feel like you didn't fight for them, that you didn't love them enough, because we love them all. Mm. We fight for them as hard as we can, but we can only go as far as they want to go
1: absolutely that is such an important thing to hear because anyone who has a pet at some point goes through this you know whether it's they pass from old age or from disease and to be able to listen and observe their language and their through their eyes you know their body language Telling you what they want is so critical. We experienced that with our German shepherd years ago, who was on her last legs. And after, you know, a couple of years of progressively going downhill, she one night just looked at me and said, I had enough. You know, she told me with her eyes. Yeah. And so, yeah, that is a really, really important message. This is one of the incredible things that struck me about Monkey's House, what you and Jeff bring to the table for these dogs. And Judy Morgan, I don't know if she's still your chief medical officer. She is. Okay. But she had this to say about life at Monkey's House, and it just blew me away. And I'm going to quote. Designing and preparing 25 different meals for 25 different dogs with medical issues have become one of the many over-the-top ways in which these dogs slated for death often return to vibrant living. Food, medicine, and physical therapy are included in the care of each and every dog, but the Allens don't stop there. Field trips and emotional care are also high priority in the therapy provided. All rescues should aspire to this level of care. And that to me, because I'm one of those crazy dog moms, you know, it's like I loved being a mom to my human daughter, who's an adult now and living her life. And these babies filled that hole in my heart and I'm their mama. And I'm constantly checking in with them, making sure they're okay and giving them the best life I possibly can. So it just warmed my heart that, You go above and beyond. And in terms of the nutritional care, because we all know it it starts with nutrition and obviously love and and all of that. But you don't spare anything. You don't feed your dogs kibble. Tell us a little bit about what your protocol is for these dogs and why they return to a vibrant life for as long as they have left.
2: So I was fortunate to have Dr. Morgan as our vet before we even started. And I've been fascinated by nutrition, interested in it for a very long time, and was messing around with home-cooked for a long time. Mm -hmm. And when you add the traditional Chinese veterinary medicine food component to the table, nutrition packs even a bigger punch. So feeding fresh or lightly cooked food is kind of like the clean eating movement that that people are going through right now, things that aren't processed. But This twists just a little bit more. So with the Chinese medicine, we use food energetics. So in the summer, you would like to eat a cucumber salad that'll make you feel good and make you feel charged up. If you have a big plate of lasagna, you're not going to feel so great.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So we apply those principles to, to health situations. So a dog that's very allergic, has an itchy coat, they don't want to have that feeling you have after you eat lasagna during the summer. We want them to have the cucumber salad feeling. That's a very simplified way of how we apply the information to the nutrition that we prepare for them. But it takes us about two hours, twice a day. And we look at it, it's, it's as important as the medication that we give, the therapy that they get. It's part of the
1: treatment. It's incredible. It is incredible. We're going to take a short break. I can't wait to get back and share more with you from Michelle and Jeff about Monkey's House. So don't go away because when we return, you'll discover what some of the heavy hitters in the dog world are all raving about. So refresh that beverage, get cozy. We'll be
0: right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back. Right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers
2: chops his coat is very thick. He's an Akita, German Shepherd, Lab, Husky Mix. Harold, the Border Collie Pit Mix, has the most beautiful jet black coat. Stuart, my rat carrier, has fur now where he never had it before. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Oh. Dynavite will give them a beautiful, lustrous coat. It will make you smile. You get some Dynavite,
0: how happy your dog will be.
2: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot
0: com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com. Pet
1: Welcome back. If you've just joined, we're talking with Jeff and Michelle Allen, founders of Monkey's House, a haven on a farm for shelter dogs needing hospice care. Michelle, in 2017, you were the recipient of a CNN Heroes Award. First of all, congratulations. That is huge. Thank you. You're welcome. What was it like being honored like that and having CNN do a story on you that airs on CNN?
2: That was surreal. (laughs) It was unbelievable. I had friends all over the country call and say, hey, I was having my oil changed and I saw you on TV. (laughs) Um, it It was a... It was just an incredible opportunity. I feel very, very blessed to have received that recognition.
1: So they came into Monkey's house and they they taped an interview with you and saw the dogs. And I mean, what was that all like?
2: They filmed for two days. Okay. And we broke things down. They did some interviews and then we would show things like giving insulin or taking a trip to Arby's, just going for a walk. And then they would do more interviews. So it was kind of like jumping around, trying to get the routine down.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We were very fortunate, I'm sorry, we were very fortunate
2: to have the volunteer support at that time. So while we were showing the routine in slow motion, the dogs needed to live in real time. So
1: absolutely, people they, can still see that, right?
2: Yes, that's still online.
1: Okay, great. So we'll provide a link for that. So you can go on barkandswagger.com and you can get that, or you can go on the Pet Life Radio site, the Bark and Swagger page and get that as well. You both have a policy that really warmed my heart. And I hope you know what I'm talking about, but I'll give you a hint about the dogs you care for, where you must do a specific something relating to that dog before they cross over the rainbow bridge. I'll give you a hint. It's Goldie. Tell us what that is and what, and tell us, well, you told us about Goldie already.
3: Correct. And and actually the the funny thing was, so let me tell the story. It's it's, it's a little bit, (laughs) a little bit funny in a sense. So when Michelle came back from the vet with Goldie and said, Goldie has a tumor and her life expectancy is very, very short and we're fostering her. And and as most people know, fostering is you're basically taking care of a dog for a shelter, right? And she says, well, we need to adopt Goldie. And I'm like, what do you mean we need to adopt her? We're already taking care of her. (laughs) And she said to me, no dog is going to leave our house without first becoming an Allen. So we adopted Goldie Allen And so we make sure that every dog here feels like they're part of our family.
1: So before they cross over the bridge, you formally adopt them and they become an Allen. That's correct. I love it. That's beautiful. Jeff and Michelle, you've done something that has gotten some of the heavy hitters in the dog world raving. I'm talking about today's show journalist and author, Laura Coffey, who wrote My Old Dog, an amazing book. And we've interviewed her on this show. Premier alternative vet, Dr. Karen Becker animal activist and pet health expert, Rodney Habib, and more. Hint, hint, it's a book, but please tell us more about this book.
3: Thank you very much for asking about it. So uh, a couple years ago, I started, Michelle is great at, at writing posts every night. We both write posts for Monkey's House, our Facebook family. And mm-hmm. so I said, you know what? And people keep saying, you have to write a book. You have to write a book. So how are we going to find time to write a book? So a couple of years ago, I started writing some stories Uh, or taking some of Michelle's stories together. And I wrote a book, it's called Where Dogs Go to Live, Inspiring Stories of Hospice Dogs Living in the Moment. You know, with with my writing, all Michelle's stories in there, it really does talk about, I think, almost 40 of our dogs that uh, have come through our doors and called Monkey's House home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in in writing a book, you always want to get endorsements. So we did reach out to, like you said, a bunch of people, I reached out to like Laura Coffey and a few other authors. And the great thing is once they hear about Monkey's House, it's almost nobody says no. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, they all want to read. the book. They yeah, so I give them
3: I give the I give them some of the I give them the book and they read the book and they say, Oh, yes, we definitely want to jump on board. And Michelle, you can talk about the other folks because Michelle is very familiar and, and has acquaintances in the other world.
2: In the other world.
3: Um,
2: well, with, with Dr. Becker and with Rodney, we're fortunate to meet them last year at SuperZoo. And I'm friends with some people that do some admin work for them. I'm in one of their um, Facebook subscription groups, where they talk about cutting edge thinking about wellness. And I certainly um, employ what I learned there in the practice here. We're not Nothing about this is static. We're always changing and growing and improving. And yeah. they've been great um, as far as helping us with, with more information. So we were thrilled when they said that they would that they would write for us.
1: Yeah. How can people buy the book?
3: So actually the book is available everywhere and anywhere. So even if you went into your local bookstores, they can purchase it from the local bookstores. They may not have it in stock, but they can always get it. Uh-huh. Of course, you can go online to like a, a bunch of nobles. Or at Amazon. So mm-hmm. Amazon is probably one of the bigger sellers that most people get books from nowadays. Mm-hmm. So so anywhere. Again, it's where dogs go to live. Um, it's gotten besides the the endorsements that you talked about. I think we have seventy five plus reviews now, uh, ratings, and I think they're almost all fives. So people really are enjoying the book.
1: And it, do proceeds from the book help to run Monkey's House?
3: Yes, a portion of the proceeds are going towards Monkey's House.
1: That's great. So people know that they're doing something good when they make their purchase, which is important. Tell us about some of your current guests at Monkey's House now. Uh, So the dog sitting on my lap
2: um, (laughs) right now, or else if she wasn't, she'd be screaming, is Ariel. And she's a little, I think she's a poodle Maltese mix. Mm -hmm. But she had a pretty hellacious backstory, including being an accident and- not receiving vet care and having to chew off her own leg. So oh, she,
1: no. She's
2: missing one leg. Like, there's not even a hip socket there. The oh. other leg, there's a small stump. Um, And so she was getting around on two legs. She was full of cancer, dental disease, kind of just a hot mess. And oh, wow. she came here, and we'd done quite a bit. We did quite a bit with... With food, with nutrition, with medicinal mushrooms, doing what I was hoping was consolidating the cancer, um, pushing stuff away. With this July, she had a a spay and had a bunch of mammary masses removed. And actually, when I made this announcement on our Facebook page, I got decked out, put on earrings then necklace, makeup. I said, "This never happens." Her margins were clear, and oh, we don't we don't have that happen here. And it was a blessing that we didn't expect. She's still a dog that needs a tremendous amount of maintenance for care, but mm-hmm. she's precious. She's so forgiving. She's so willing to start over. If the things that happened to her happened you to me, I, cry. yeah, I, I I would not be nice to people. Let me tell you, she's quick to give out kisses in her. So she has a cart, a, you know, a two wheel cart yeah. and yeah. one of our volunteers decked it out with sparklies, like, like she, she likes, she likes sparkly sandals and she had sandals that she just was able to dice up and, and glue to the car. And so it is, it is gorgeous. It's a sparkle mobile and Ariel really deserves everything. Love
1: Oh, I'm so thrilled to hear that. Do you have any idea how old she is? She doesn't look that old, but we're thinking she's a early teenager. Okay. 13, 14. So if her margins are clear and everything else stays stable, she could be around for a, for a while.
2: We're we're hoping that. We're yeah. hoping that. We're oh, hoping we're that. Hoping um that. she has her bladder expressed a few times a day. Same thing, she needs her stool to be expressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's still going to pet PT. She literally is a mermaid in the treadmill. Um oh. she goes through uh acupuncture for pain management. So she only has the two legs and oh. she Waddles from side to side. That's how she moves forward when she's not in her cart. So, having her pull anything, have a sore back, even getting a nail stuck could be catastrophic for her because she's only got the two legs. Yeah. So, we're trying to be very proactive with her fitness, with her wellness, with her level of comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, And we hope to have some years ahead of us. From
1: your mouth to God's ears, Michelle. How many dogs do you have at Monkey's House right now?
3: I think right now we have 22 dogs. Okay. Yep.
1: All right. Any others you want to tell us about? We can't go through 22, obviously. But... <laughs> no, I, I'll,
3: I'll tell you one of my Which one is, of my I'd kids. love to. Yeah. So we have uh, Violet. Violet is a black lab mix. Mm-hmm. And Violet has a long story here, actually. So when Violet first came, she had a, a tumor on her face. And it was right between her eyes. And it, would, it was about the size of a big fist. And it, it was one of our volunteers called it a... a portobello mushroom. And it would go from side to side and cover her eyes and pull on her face. So when she came here, she had that and she had some other issues as well. And we had that removed. And next thing you know, she got very healthy. And when a dog gets healthy enough not to be at monkey's house, we call them an imposter. So she was an <laughs> imposter because she doesn't, she's not hospice. And we tried to get her a forever family, like to get her adopted out. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't adopt that, but we work with other rescues that do that. So she was with a foster, but ended up, she wasn't getting along with the other dog there. And she came back and I think she came back where she needed to be because she did end up getting uh, cancer in her jaw. Aww. So, but and the, and the one, I think they wanted to remove part of her jaw, a piece of her tongue. And we tried something different. What, what was it again?
2: Neoplasin.
3: Neoplasin, which is uh, like a paste that will eat cancer away. So she she gets a treatment probably every four to six months.
2: Whenever needed. Yeah, Yeah,
3: when needed. But the diagnosis first was to remove part of the jaw, remove part of the tongue, give her radiation, chemo, all that. And she might be with us for six to eight months. Well, it's been well over a year. She's very happy, still eating. And she's my favorite walking buddy. Her and I go to the state forest whenever we can. And I just love Violet.
1: Oh, that is wonderful. I want to know more about this paste after, you know, after our interview, because it sounds really, really fascinating. And I've never heard of that. It's an Um,
2: incredible tool to have. And it's something that you would need an integrative vet to, to access.
1: Sure, sure. But really, the takeaway is that you don't have to run to traditional pharmaceutical protocols for a cancer diagnosis. I mean, you really need your vet to guide you, but to be open to either supplementing or trying other modalities that can help your dog heal itself. Yes. Right? And that
3: that's, there's a couple of chapters in the book that kind of get into that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so we do mention that in the book.
1: Wonderful. I really recommend going out and getting this book. I've read a few chapters. I'm anxiously going to you know, read the rest because I've really enjoyed this. Michelle and Jeff, where can people, how can people donate to Monkey's House?
3: They can go to our website, which is www.monkeyshouse.org. That's M-O-N-K-E-Y-S-H-O-U-S-E.org. And then, you know, the, the other thing, we have a, a lot of followers on social media. We have a yes. Facebook page. So it's facebook.com forward slash monkeyshouse.org. And then we also have, you know, we are starting to build our Instagram up as well. So come follow us. It's amazing that our we call them our, our global Facebook family or, or just family in general. And from around the world, they fall in love with these dogs.
1: How can you not? How can you not? Jeff and Michelle Allen... Who calls their circle family and calls their fosters aunts and uncles? Um, you've created something really, really special. And I am so excited that you joined me on my show today. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Jody.
3: Thank you very much.
1: My pleasure. And thank you all for listening. Thanks to our producer, Mark Winter, who makes this sound so good. Thank you, Mark. My passion is living stylishly in animal rescue. So tune in next time to discover the designers, home decor, styles, and rescue stories I love. And don't forget to visit me at BarkAndSwagger.com, where you'll find great fashion, shelter stories, and more. So until next time, when fierce fashion calls, Bark and Swagger!
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.